Welcome to Gold Star Classroom, the podcast where our panelists go back to school. I'll grade them on their answers to a variety of general knowledge and trivia questions. They don't know what I'm going to ask, and I don't know what they're going to say. The student with the highest grade at the end of today's class will win the coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. I'm your host and professor, Dr. Jerry Duffy. Welcome to today's episode of Gold Star Classroom. I'm your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Joppe, and I'm pleased to say that we're recording today's episode at the Barnes & Noble at the Mentor Mall in Mentor, Ohio, and I'd like to thank Chad, the manager, for welcoming us. Welcome to class today, everyone. It is my job as your teacher to ask you questions from the breadth and width of human learning and as any good teacher would do, then grade your answers. The student with the highest grade at the end of today's class will receive the coveted classroom prize, the Golden Banana. It's now my pleasure to welcome today's students to class. Sitting on my right is a software computer engineer and actor who's currently touring a solo show, Eric Jaffe. Very nice to be here. Thank you, Eric, thank you. And the noisy person sitting on my left, is uh, author, actor, and radio personality, Chris Lambert. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Thanks for coming to class. Oh, no, fam. This is fun. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, you gentlemen, I'm going to be uh, quizzing you, and we'll see uh, how it goes for today. I'd like to start off with a, uh, a topic from uh, the realm of historic pop culture. Ooh. All right. So, this is a person who, in their own time, was quite famous. Okay. In fact, in the era in which he lived, he was the single highest paid performer uh, at the Moulin Rouge. Oh boy, I think I'm in the hole already. <laughs> I will tell you his actual name, but he had a stage name. Does anyone know who Joseph Hujo is? Any thoughts, Chris? Not, not one single thought. Not one single thought. <laughs> not one. I'm already five points in the hole, I think. <laughs> Don't, I, I give out the grades here. Oh, okay. So minus five right. points for trying to give yourself grades. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh, Eric, you ever hear this name? No, I have not heard it. Uh, French uh, entertainment, 19th century, not, not one of my strong points. Born 1857, lived... Until 1945. Wow. Um, he was the subject of one of Edison's first films. Um, oh. Um, appearing on film in the year 1900. Oh, really? oh that was kind um, of early, didn't he? Well, when uh, Edison made all these very short, like five and ten that, second uh, films. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Georges Millari, or uh, credited with making one of the early films, the first. The man to the moon, or, or am I oh, thinking no, of something? Oh no, I think of something else. Okay. I know what you mean, but that's okay. a different topic. Okay, that's a different topic. But it's still along in intellectual, you know, pop right. culture. Well, you get an eye for being an intellectual. Okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's an official grade or not, but okay. it is today. I'm not sure what letter I'm going to get. <laughs> I will tell you Joseph Pujo's stage name. This is the name he performed under. It is a French word, so I apologize to my French students listening at home if I'm not completely accurate. But his stage name was Lay Petomaine. Oh, Lay wow. Petomaine. Petomaine. That's not even one of those. Oh, yeah, Lay yeah. Petomaine. No, that nothing. Was, uh, nothing. Nothing. Is that short for La Potomaine poisoning? <laughs> like domain poisoning? Uh, as it happens, his stage name directly states 
what his talent is. If you knew French, you would know what oh, his talent okay. was. Right. Uh-huh. So right now, there's four students at home laughing at this. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else, like the rest of us, are still in the dark. Yes. The name, uh, he's such an uh, influential figure just in entertainment and pop culture that the name has been recycled. Most famously, Petto Maine was the name of Mel Brooks' character in Blazing Saddles. Oh. Uh-huh. Governor means... William J. Lepetto Maine was one of the characters yes. Mel Brooks played in Blazing Saddles. Yes. Does that mean his, 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 uh, his talent was flatulence? Or... <laughs> Gold star. <laughs> that was exactly oh, what his talent was. Oh, boy. <laughs> he had the um, uncanny ability. It was actually not flatulence in the scientific sense to intake air into okay. his rectum okay. oh, and then Lord. control its subsequent release. Wow. Thus that he could whistle, he could play the flute. Well, there's a lost wow. art. Wow. <laughs> there's a lost art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you even begin to, to uh, what would you say, uh, manage that and, and take it on the road? and like you know. It's like an X-Men power. Yeah. How did you yeah. uncover it? Like, yeah. What were you doing as a child where suddenly you realized? <laughs> well, that, that always, if I can just take a brief second here, yes. that always made me think, you know, the caveman. You know, they find an egg, and they said, the egg just came out of that creature's backside. Yep. So, okay, but... Everything else that comes out of a creature's backside, it smells and we stay away from. Yep. But somehow we somehow inherently and know that this thing we call egg is okay. What, you know, who was the pioneer that ate the first? Well, the <laughs> pioneer who ate the first egg was the guy who got there second. Yeah. And the first guy said, here, eat this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I, I, just want, I, didn't want, I didn't want to mess up the show. So Not at all. To, Don't mess up. Uh, <laughs> So his nick, his name, his stage name, translated, um, Petto is derived from the French word for flatulence, and uh, Maine is derived from the French word for mania or maniac. Okay. So he was, in English, you might say his stage name translates yes, as... Yes, maniac or something? Oh, well, fardomanic. Oh, well, oh, my God. Wow. That sounds like, a, you know, the fardomanic, it slices, it dices. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking, I can't, what I'm thinking is that somewhere... Very late in this guy's career, or just shortly after, there were there were elderly people standing around bemoaning the death of this art. The way yeah. that we talk about you know certain things that are seem to be passing, passing in our yes. time, <laughs> languages and so forth. And yes, the last truly great <laughs> yeah, boy, petomaniac. These boy. kids today with their their rock and roll oh, and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> they don't know anything about entertainment. Well, that was an inauspicious beginning to the classroom. It, uh, yes, we were both stumped. It reminds me of something Albert Einstein has once to have said about education. What's that? To raise new questions, new possibilities, to regard old problems from a new angle, requires creative imagination and marks real advance in science. And you two have succeeded in raising lots of new questions. Okay. I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I often, somebody said, well, who's some of the great geniuses? And, you know, like Stephen Hawkins or sure. Edward Teller or, you know, yes. uh, Oppenheimer. Right. And I say, you know, Dr. I, Jerry Jaffe, carry yeah. on. <laughs> I have to go back to, uh, I have to go back to Einstein because all the other guys, even with Hawking's uh, yes. personal disability, they all had buttons to push and things at their command. Whereas yeah. Albert's like, "Hey, Albert, can you uh, stop what you're doing and come over here and help at the uh, uh, at the front counter? We got a line." And he's <laughs> like, "Sure, okay, I'll be right there." MC equals E equals yeah, MC so. square. Okay, say, I'll be right there. You know, he yeah. had nothing but a pencil and a paper. He's a master of the thought experiment. Yes. he could think through the consequences right. of what he was thinking about. Speaking of geniuses, we'll turn our attention to contemporary popular culture. 
and there's many uh, fans of rock music, but I've observed that in a rock band, rock band, rock ensemble, the forgotten person is always the bass player. Wow. So I have here a list of famous bands, and we're going to go back and forth okay. and see if you can name the bass players. Okay. We'll do a couple of easy ones first just okay. to establish okay. the genre. Okay. okay. So, for example, Christopher, who's the bass player for The Who? Entwistle, John Entwistle. John, it was correct. Five points for you. All right. Who's the bass player, Eric, for The Beatles? Oh, that's an easy oh, one. Oh, Paul McCartney. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you get half credit. Why? He should be because the original bass player oh, of the Beatles, oh. Stu Sutcliffe. We have a winner of today's Nerd Prize. Nerd! <laughs> Congratulations, yes, Chris Lambert. Yes, you are getting into very, very deep, you know. A little bit, a little bit. A little bit of a trick question there, yes, Eric. Uh -huh. Yeah, he got the five points for a John Entwistle. And I, yeah. get, I get minus two and a half for that. No, <laughs> Stu Sutcliffe. Correct. Oh. Who uh, is Chris? Who's yes. the uh, bass player from the Rolling Stones? The original and most important well, bass player from the it, to, Rolling Stones. To me, I, I think it was Bill Wyman. Correct. The, you know, Correct. The one that counts for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Thank um, you. Eric, who is the bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers? It's a good thing oh. he got that question. He's younger than me. I can't. <laughs> yeah, but not, not That young may be enough. the newest band on this list. Okay. And, yeah, and to um, our students listening at home, we're old. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're yes. old. I mean, I'm going to say something that could be just humiliating, but right. the only thing. I, Name that comes to mind is Flea. But Five point. Okay. All right. All right. Over to you, Christopher. Yes. Who's the bass player? The original and most important bass player for Black Sabbath. Oh Lord, uh, I get them confused. Uh, Geezer Butler or t Five points. Okay. Geezer Butler. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have a couple more on this list. Eric, bass player for Led Zeppelin. Oh, uh, uh, it's John Paul Jones. This is clearly too easy a topic. <laughs> Because I didn't take into account everyone's age, you know. That's no, a, no, no, no. <laughs> I thought it was going to be minus two and a half, yeah. not knowing, uh, you know, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Page's junior high school uh, baseball. Yeah, baseball but what was their original names? Well, the minus, yard birds, you know. Minus two and a half points for not knowing John Paul Jones was ripping off John N. Whistle. <laughs> and over to you, Chris. Yes. The uh, original and most important bass player for the Doors. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I'm not a Doors fan, a big Doors fan. There's Robbie Krieger, who's mm -hmm. on the on the. Uh, okay. Uh, Manzarek is on keyboards. Uh, I don't know. Krieger is. I'm well, probably wrong. Much like Eric, you've walked into a trick question. Oh, okay. The Doors have no bass player. That's true because it's a three-man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So some okay. sometimes their guitar player might lay down some bass lines, but most right. of their songs do not have. Right. Okay. And they so, do not have the regular standing bass player. Okay. And, Eric. Here's the last one on the list. They didn't pick up Stu Stewart. Or <laughs> oh, Stuart <laughs> Sutcliffe. Stewart he was available. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He probably would have worked cheap. <laughs> the original and most important bass player for Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh, I don't, it's not him. It's not George Clinton, is it? No. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just have a name I know. Very colorful, charismatic person known for co-writing... One Queen song. Oh, oh that's a helpful hit. Um, no idea. Bootsy Collins. Oh, oh okay. okay. Bootsy Collins, who was once jamming with the bass player from Queen, and they invented a riff together, and they couldn't decide who owned it. Oh. So they both used it in each other's songs, and they oh. both got writing credits on each other's songs. Yeah, that's cool. Which oh, is right. that funky bass from Another One Bites the Dust. Oh. 
Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Don't do more than three seconds of that, please. I can't afford to pay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What uh, was the uh, Bootsy Collins version of that? I'm not sure. Oh. Sounds like Queen made it more out of that riff than he did. Can I, can I throw some other bass players out that you might not know? All right. Just for the fun of it? For the fun of it. Uh, Chris Squires for, uh, for Yes. 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 And uh, Tommy Evans from uh, Bad Finger. Bad Finger, that's yes. one of your bands. Yes. Uh, uh, writing credit. That's when you have the writing credit on for VH1? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, I do. Yes. But I didn't bring it up for that. I just... No, but I was informing our students listening at home Uh, what a celebrity I have on the show today. And I did last year at this time get to perform with them on stage, so that was fun. Really? Yes. But most of the band, uh, they had a Beatle convention, and then uh, after the show, the Badfinger show proper was over, he had me come up and do a, since it was a Beatle show, we did a... um, uh, Ticket to Ride and uh, Roll Over Beethoven, the, the Beatles version. So as a sort of an encore, so I joined and joined for the encore, and it was. I think it's still on YouTube if you want to see me sitting up I there mean, like you a. You sing or yeah, you I, play yeah, guitar? I was I was singing. I mean, oh, I wow. did I do play bass, but I didn't really. They didn't have an instrument for me, so he just said, "Come on up here and sing with me." Right. So oh. Joey and I were up there from sort of like Harrison and, mm. and McCartney, kind of doing the woo woos and the singing harmonies, and then Joey would go over and sing lead for a while, and it was right. fun. It sounds like fun. Yeah, it is, yes. Minus uh, 10 points for lording it over us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was hoping that was the 10 points that would, would get, put me over the top. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. You get an N for name dropping. Okay. I'd like to turn our attention to the sciences. That's enough okay. pop culture for yes. one classroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a uh, common phrase for animals. Specifically, it's applied to species. Species are animals. Or, or other organisms that appear more or less similar to species found in the fossil record a long time ago. Mm. And there's like a phrase that's used for this type of creature, animal, plant, bacteria, whatever it might be. Can you think of the phrase? Dinosaur-like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Some know. of them are dinosaur-like. Bi- bipedal or, or something, you know. No, no, the, the part of the hint is... In the my simplified explanation, it was the similarity to the something in the fossil record. Does it start with an O? No. Okay. It starts with an L, and ends with a fossil. Hmm. Have you ever heard the expression "living fossil"? Uh, no. No. I no. Think I have. Well, now I have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you get an A for being educated. Oh, yes. Just now, I educated you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh. Uh, if, if only by lucky guess, I'm sure you could guess the scientist who coined the phrase "living fossil," no. because he—it is a he—I just gave you a clue—is yes. the single most important scientist in the realm of evolutionary science. Darwin. Correct. All right. In um, the Origin of Species. Yes, that was. He his book, uh, used that's his most yeah. famous book. He, yeah. he wrote numerous books, of course. He made a, a reference to these types of creatures, and he called them living fossils. Ah, okay. So he coined that phrase. Um, Are we going to get into the Scopes monkey trial now because of that? (laughs) We could if you like, but I was just going to just ask a couple of questions related to living fossils. Oh, okay. But uh, you distracted me, so you get a D for distracting the teacher. (laughs) There goes my eye Uh, from earlier or whatever. (laughs) Not being a proper biology teacher, I would like to say that some biology teachers or biology scientists, paleontologists, evolutionary biologists, don't like the phrase living fossil 
because it's I don't inherently really like it. I don't like it. I just don't. It doesn't, yeah. feel, it doesn't feel right. It's kind of an oxymoron. Like, if you're yeah. talking about animals that are living today, yeah. but then refer to them as fossils, <laughs> it seems a little inaccurate somehow. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely a colloquial phrase around the topic of evolution. Um, speaking of Scope's monkey trial, yes. the presence of living fossils is sometimes used by creationists to create, you know, a very poor argument against evolution, mm-hmm. as in, you know, these creatures were created like that. So yeah. be, I just can't believe we've wandered around to an anti-creationist theme. I mean, I never, I never <laughs> yeah. could have predicted the conversation wow. would, you know, we were talking about the doors, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bad finger, yeah, and then right. suddenly... Yeah, I well, mean, this is a somehow. scientific did, education. Did Adam know. and Eve then, you know, put on the fig leaves and then turn around and say, "Oh, look out! I I, I see a triceratops coming, <laughs> so we better move on along." You know? No, because according to the Creation Museum in Kentucky, uh-huh. all creatures were vegetarians before the fall. Okay, that's interesting. It's interesting because they call themselves biblical literalists, and there's literally nothing in the Bible about all creatures being vegetarians yeah. before the fall <laughs> a bunch of salad Ergo, eaters i call making it up as you go along <laughs> yeah yeah so they were carrot killers so yes there's always violence yes. somewhere t-rexes because... ate pineapples apparently before yeah. the fall boy um <laughs> as this a, is getting very as a, <laughs> as a species just to get some scale to the question how long have Homo sapiens sort of been considered a distinct species approximately these round numbers are guesstimates 100,000 years Chris, what do you think? Hundred. What did you say? I said hundred thousand. Eric says hundred thousand years. What do you say, Chris? That's, I'd say that's pretty close. Maybe hundred fifty thousand. It's a close guess. The, the usual figure you might see is two hundred fifty thousand years. Okay. Oh, but right. Yeah. But around that range, just approximately, yeah. the presence of living fossils causes us to maybe not think about that most species eventually die out. Actually, you know what the typical lifespan of a species is. Well, you're scaring me because I'm uh, now I'm thinking of like when's our uh, shelf date here as well, humans. Well, that's what yeah. some people think about. Sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I'm sure that you know, like they used to like, say, rock bands have a have a five year period. Yes. before. I'm I'm guessing probably five to ten thousand years before. A no, it's in the millions. Oh, it's, it's two to three million. Oh, okay. Two to three million years is sort of a typical. That's the kind of thing there's not really an average or an exact so answer on. Mosquitoes have been around that long. <laughs> I was going to say I, I find it, it would be difficult to, you know, get a data set with a large, large enough number of species where you actually knew when they came in yeah. and knew when they went out. So there's a. Especially the past generation, the fossil record, knowledge about the fossil record has like mushroomed. And also there's been, even if you just go from Darwin, like 150 years of studying the fossil record. So quite a lot of creatures have been studied. And known to have, like, when, when they yes. formed and when they went out. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying a casual guess to that because I'm not prepared to back that up with any data or scientific facts. But yes. I mean, did one lizard at one point say to another younger lizard, you're complaining, you should, I've been back since the year 2 million, and I'm telling you, it's getting hard to walk. You know, is that the clue that gave it away? (laughs) There are, you know, single cell and bacteria type microorganisms that have gone largely unchanged for Mm -hmm. billions of years. But of animals, what is the animal that is considered to have gone unchanged for the longest period of time? Any idea? Lizards? Shark? Uh, sharks are considered living fossils, actually. There are some lizards that are considered living fossils, such as, uh, I believe, the Komodo dragon. Oh, yes. Those things and are. also down in New Zealand, they have that uh, rare type of um, lizard whose name escapes me. I'll look it up later and edit it in. The, the Komodo <laughs> dragon, which made an appearance 
in uh, Johnny Quest when Dr. Rashida said, <laughs> sue me, sue me, get the dragon out of <laughs> I mean, that's the, only, that's the first yeah, time yeah, I've heard I it as an eight-year-old or a six-year-old. Oh, the Komodo dragon, what is it, Dad? <laughs> the horseshoe crab is the answer. Oh, wow. The horseshoe crab has been around largely unchanged for about 450 million years. Wow. Wow. It's still wow. shaped like a horseshoe. Pretty much. And it's still crabby. <laughs> I'm just picturing you going in and... And editing in and making yourself look like a genius. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. You have every <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Post-production. I'm going to be yeah. listening to this Everything, at home. baby. He didn't say that at the time. He's uh, <laughs> commenting on Facebook when the episode comes out. I was there for the cover-up. Just for my comparison, what plant, type of plant, is considered to be, have gone the longest without unchanging? Or without changing, okay. without changing. Cactus? I'll let that part out. Cactus, maybe? It's or? not a cactus. Okay. Yeah, it's a good guess, though. This uh, is a plant type who's, that word that you know, it's, but it's still, it's, it's just a like random. poison ivy because nobody's wanted to ever touch <laughs> it. <laughs> it has no friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the friendless plant. The ginkgo I'm, tree. Really? Really? The ginkgo tree has gone largely Is that where they get all unchanged. the, you know, yeah. like Larry King says, you know, ginkgo this. Uh, I believe wanna... so. Okay. There That's have been ginkgo tree fossils have been found over 270 million years ago. Wow. And so wow. something about the ginkgo tree, their bark or something in the tree that insects don't like. So it has maybe less pressure to change right. by, you know, yeah. competing with. <laughs> they figure and, once if they're doing something right, right. why rock the boat? Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's interesting that could have something that. Insects would not like for 270 million years. So you think there'd be some variations <laughs> in insects that would? And, and Larry King is probably there it. at the beginning saying, "Don't mess <laughs> And Larry King has gone largely unchanged yeah. for 600 million years. <laughs> that was unavoidable. Sorry, I apologize to the students living at home, but it had to be said. Yeah. It had to be said. You know, it has been remarked upon that sometimes as a teacher I overemphasize constructive criticism and don't do enough to build up my student's self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So I have here a list of 101 random sayings that can be said to students to make them feel better about themselves. And I'd just like to tell you guys, you're special. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I feel, I feel I'm going to do well in the second half of the show. Now. <laughs> well, as I proceed towards calculating your final grades. Uh, fortunately, I will not need a computer, a calculator, an iPhone, an iWatch, or even an abacus to do so. I'd like to give you each one more chance uh -huh. to improve your grades okay. by addressing uh, extra credit question. Oh, okay. okay. So today's extra credit, I will give you a topic. You should be given a chance to say something intelligent. Okay. I wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs> that we have intelligence to start with. Today's topic is fashion. Oh, fashion. Say something intelligent about clothes, fashion, or something related to that. Well, I, I remember. Chris, being... are you ready to go? Yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you want to go first? No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm just I, just I just remembered that. Uh, you know, I always thought that. Uh, Men in the old days, mm -hmm. in the Edwardian period, when the the flared things and yes. the and the the sure. and the cravats and all that, 
you know that that whole thing that you would call a fop now. And, sure. You know, that has passed away, and if you you get sort of you get slings of uh, uh, and arrows of discontent people now because guys have to wear certain things or they're not considered guys. So I was always interested in women could get away with a lot more sometimes, and especially yes. in the in the you know men were wearing the gray flannel suits for 30, yeah. 40 years. Hats. And then yeah, and then uh, suddenly in the sixties, you know, Twiggy comes along and the mini skirt comes along and different things happen mm-hmm. but and it, and it in the 60s does sort of give men a little bit of extra they can do some wild things but now it's back to sort of men dress dull you know and right. women still get away I, I just from growing up I remember sure women got the best of fashion and men got the worst except for a few years in the late 60s well you sometimes find um, people nowadays borrowing uh, men who borrow fashion from that pop look yes but we refer to those people as hipsters well yeah i mean uh, the uh, the old television show the right. avengers with john Steed yes. with his bowler and his and his uh, velours right. uh, the lapels instead sure. of normal and the yet he had uh, beetle boots you know <laughs> and it's like so there was a little yes. mixture plus the the umbrella and the bowler sure. but he was still kind of Foppish and uh, yes, you know, and I kind of like that, but you really can't. Uh, I, I guess well, like I you said, was, you can get away with it now with a little mix. Well, I think there was something foppish in the seventies with glam rock. Uh, yeah, that is yeah, true. T-Rex, yeah. but I didn't Bowie, see many. I didn't some see of the many, other psychedelic. Right, I didn't see many normal guys walking Adapting down the street. That passion, yeah. Yes, <laughs> you could do it on stage, just mm-hmm. like you know. I would not want to wear uh, a Will Ferrell hat off a of stage. The only man that ever got away with that look was his name was Haas, you know, that ten gallon hat <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. You know? Well Eric, Chris has set a pretty high bar. <laughs> Surely you know something about fashion. Well uh, I well I would be careful in how I use the word surely. <laughs> We've already got the teacher laughing. Mid drink. Yes. Well, I mean, what comes to mind is I, I have some friends uh, who have opened a... Uh, I'll fact check that later. Plus... <laughs> <laughs> um, plus size women clothing. Uh, uh, they actually now design right. and sell clothing. So it's been a little interesting to follow their um, uh, adventures in, in getting that business going. Okay. Well, I just, one, one of the things that uh, my friend was talking about okay. is that... She gets solicited by heavier people, women mm-hmm. primarily, to model plus-size clothing. Okay. And her point is that people don't appreciate that a plus-size model should be a, a an attractive person <laughs> who, if they were not overweight, would still be a model as right. opposed to just... Because it's plus size clothing, anyone can model. <laughs> like her own mother is pitching, let right. me model some <laughs> wow. of this stuff for you. So um, that's kind of stayed with me. Well, just uh, for extra extra credit, just find out if your friend's plus size store would like to be a sponsor of the show. Yes. I'll put a link up on our website. <laughs> yes. Actually, I'm going to Christopher and Banks right after this to get my wife a present. I would like so. to point out that. Christopher Banks is in no way a sponsor of this show, no, nor no, do we endorse no. their products That's in any true. way. I should, I should not have mentioned No, you can mention them. Right. I just okay. don't want to confuse the students right. listening at home. All right. Well, thank you for your extra credit contributions. It just thank remains you. for me, your teacher, to calculate your final grades and declare the winner of today's golden banana to be Chris Lambert. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry. Next <laughs> time. We'll, we'll Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is that Stuart Sutcliffe? Yeah. yeah. That sort question of just torpedoed yeah. my whole. Yeah, there was a seven-point swing right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, holy cow. <laughs>
Ugh. So all that is left is for me to thank you, my guest. Thank you, Chris. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you, Eric. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, nodding doesn't play well on radio, yeah. but thank you for your <laughs> nice first gesture. Time. <laughs> he was being stoic. Uh, yes. yeah, stoicism, perfect yes. for radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to thank my students listening at home for listening to today's lesson, uh, I'm your host and headmaster, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Gold Star Classroom is written and produced by Jerry Jaffe. Our producer and engineer is Stephen Gutierrez. Original music composed and produced by Jeff Geddert. Mr. Geddert is also our assistant producer. All commentary and opinions expressed by guests of Gold Star Classroom are meant for entertainment purposes only. For Gold Star Classroom, I'm Jerry Jaffe. <laughs>